Lord, we do pray what that the lyrics of that song just said, Lord, that you would burn once again in our hearts. Let us burn with fire once again and take away the dross, Lord. Every one of us, Lord, when we burn, there's always dross that's produced. Father, we need the dross to be blown away so that the flame can get brighter. And Father, we need that in the Christian church today, just not Freedom Church, but every church of Jesus Christ that preaches the gospel. We need the fire once again to come into us. Lord, that we would fall madly in love again with Jesus like we were at the very beginning. How the Lord Jesus told the church of Ephesus that they lost their first love. Father, there's so many churches today, Lord, that are really the church of Ephesus and they have lost their first love for you. Now they... It's just legalism and religion. Father, we we pray your fire would come again into our hearts. You walk among the lampstands in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3. And that's what you're doing. That's what the high priest does. He takes, he takes care. The priest does. That's what he does. He takes care of the lanterns, the light. Make sure they burn and don't go out. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come into us tonight in all of his fullness and reignite that spark that's in us and fan it to flame so that Freedom Church can go forth and march into this world, Lord. Yeah, we're small, but we're mighty, Lord, because we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we've been learning here in Romans, I think this is the third week we're on Romans 1.16, where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. Lord, that fire is the power. The Holy Spirit is a flame of fire. He's represented that way in the, in the Bible. So Father, the churches today including this church, needs a fresh revival of your spirit, a fresh spire, a fresh fire in our hearts, Lord, once again, a fresh fire to wake us up, to burn us, so we get out there and do your work because of the love you have for the world. So are we to have that love, that no soul be lost, Help us to serve you. Help us to love you. Help us to fan the flame in our heart by obedience and love and sacrifice and compassion, justice and mercy and humility. Father, we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We're glad all you are there. For those online, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're there. If you want to check us out on a website because you're on the, the, uh, the I don't know what they call it, but anyway, if you're watching us there, you need the website, so it's freedomchurchpb.org. Freedomchurchpb stands for palmbeach.org because we're in Palm Beach County. You know, um, just a quarter mile west of I-95 on, on La, La High Paluxo Road on the north side of the road. So uh, come on by if you're local. Um, we have a Bible study every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We're studying the book of Matthew. Uh, but this Sunday we got a special speaker. He's part of our church as, as pastor and missionary and evangelist Brett uh, Hainis. It's, he's 36 uh, years old, and he has a fresh fire usually in him because he's all fired up for the Lord. Um, so we want you to, you know, tune in. It's going to be a special day. Brett speaks there, you know, every couple months or so if he's in town, which he has been for a while. He's just been taking short trips here and there to Nigeria, to, to Tanzania, to Brazil. Uh, it's, it's amazing. So he keeps on the go. So anyway... Um, Tune in Sunday, 10 a.m. And on Thursday night, every Thursday night, 
7.15, we're here also. Um, that's the aired services that stream around the world. If you're local and you're a man on Saturday mornings, every Saturday morning we have a, a men's Bible study at 9 a.m. So you're welcome to come here. Just a quarter mile west of I-95 on the, on the uh, north side of the road. Um, so we look forward to meeting you. So um, let's see. If you go online, you can find out what we're all about, who we believe in. We believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe that the Bible right here is the inerrant Word of God. It's totally accurate. These are not Bible stories that you learn about, David and Goliath and Jonah and the whale and Noah and the ark. These are truths. They are absolute truth. They're not stories. They're truth. You know, sometimes in America we get our words mixed up. I do it myself. They're truths. Jesus even verified that Jonas was in, uh, Jonah was in the belly of a whale or a great fish for, for three days and three nights. He actually uh, quoted that. As, as Jonah was in the, sun, in the stomach of a great fish three days and three nights, so I will be in the heart of the earth. And just like Jonah, Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and Jonah was resurrected. He was thought to be dead being dissolved by the acid in a whale or a great fish's stomach. Jesus verified that. It's truth. It's not a story. Unfortunately, I used to teach Bible stories to my children when they were little. Now I learn years later that they aren't stories. They're truths. And that's important. It's important. So um, you know, we believe that. Anyway, you can even donate online. You can go to the Give Life button. And uh, and just give there, and it'll it'll help you to uh, navigate through donating to the church. I, I I encourage all believers to donate to their church to probably give their tithes, their gifts, their offerings, and even their alms to the church they belong to or to the ministry that they belong to. If you've been listening to our service here for a while, um, we would uh, certainly and you know love you to. Uh, help support this work that the Lord is doing. You know, all works don't have to be huge, you know, to, to be a God-anointed. They can be little, they can be medium-sized, they can be, be uh, a great size, and uh, God has a work for all of us to do if we're believers in Jesus Christ, and especially if we're on fire like we sang here tonight. I like that song, Fresh, fresh Fire. Anyway, um... I think that's uh, about it. So uh, let's get our Bibles out, and we'll we'll um, learn here tonight. I called this message uh, from faith to faith because we're in Romans chapter one, and I'm in verse uh, 16 through uh, 20 is what we're going to be reading here tonight. I'm going to reiterate real quickly on the first part of this uh, chapter. We started in in the uh, 14th verse, I believe it was. So, in one, well, we know we studied from the beginning verse. In, in uh, verses 1 through 3, 13, we find out that Paul's a bond servant. He's, a, he's called and he's separated. And likewise, you, saint, are called. You are a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are separated for the gospel from your very uh, inception from your very birth, your conversion, and your, your commission, you too have been separated for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We saw that Paul has the three I am statements, and it applies to us also. I am a debtor. All of us are debtors to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus paid a price that, that was impossible for us to pay. So we are in debt to the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way you can kind of pay him back is by believing in his work, in his redemption, in his salvation. We, we see that Paul said, I am ready to preach the gospel. And every one of us, we are commanded by the scriptures that we are to be ready in season and out of season to preach the gospel. And that can even mean just giving your testimony, how you came to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't shut up. We have to keep on speaking like the apostles uh, did. And I think it's Acts 17. You know, so... We can't stop speaking, and it's impossible. We're so fired up. Our, the flame within us is so 
so huge we can't stop speaking. I don't care if you kill me, crucify me, martyr me in whatever way, I'm going to keep on speaking the gospel. That's what Paul said. And we in America have no excuse whatsoever. And he said, I am not ashamed, and that goes to us too. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should not. If you are ashamed to preach the gospel, you are powerless. Because Paul said, and you have you you are called to this, you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. You want to win people to Christ, you've got to preach the gospel and be unashamed of it. You know, then he had the five Ps. The gospel is is prophetic, it's personal, it's powerful, and it's preachable. We can preach the gospel. I do it every Sunday. I I do it in my family for years and years and years. You know, preach the gospel. It's preachable. All you have to do is believe in Jesus and you go to heaven. You know, Jesus paid the price for you. And if you don't accept that, then you're trotting your the the under your foot, the precious blood of God Almighty himself, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, yet the Son of Man, 100% God, 100% man, who came to do what he needed to do. So, that's we already learned. We learned the seven benefits. We have deliverance from our enemies in, in the gospel. We have mercy from God. We have justification by faith. We have peace with God. We are made holy and righteous. Now, I don't, know, I don't consider myself holy and righteous, but God does because he sees that I wear the seal of the Holy Spirit, and so do you, and you're unashamed of the gospel of Christ, and he sees you in, in, as covered with the precious blood of Jesus, and you become holy, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not in yourself. And then... We said that another benefit was we're reconciled to God. We've been reconciled to God. And then, seven, we have light and guide, guidance, you know, in, in Christ our Savior. So, let's start in the 16th verse of Romans. I'll read to the 20th verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel... For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, But my righteous man, the righteous man, shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made, so that they are without excuse. And that they is us. We are without excuse. To a lot of people say they don't believe in God. This is telling you, Paul's telling you, you are without excuse. You see his divine nature in, in his invisible attributes and in his eternal power, according to the 20th verse, because they're clearly seen being understood by what he has made. And what did he make? He made you, he made me. He made the tree out there. He, heard, he made the red cardinal that's chirping all day long and the beautiful doves. He made the, the cats and the dogs and the animals. He made you and I. And it's evident. The, the earth and its beauty, the mountains, and the clear crystal waters, you know, the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky. He made all them. You know, I even heard people that didn't believe in God when their first child was born and they saw the child being born. They said, there's got to be a God. There's another one. You look at your children, and you know that there's got to be a God because you and your spouse, you know, were intimate, and God created from you and made one blood. And wasn't that said at your, your marriage ceremony most likely? You know, that the two are made one. 
Well, God made two out of one in the garden. You know, he took the rib of Adam and put Adam to sleep, and, and he created and fashioned a woman. So somebody asked me one time, did God marry Adam and Eve? He, they were one and one with each other. Of course they were married. He married them, and that's what happens when you're married. You know, you, you, the two make one. I ever tell everybody when I do a marriage ceremony, you know, you're going to see a miracle here today. And when people are saying, like, what miracle? Is somebody blind going to see? Am I dead going to be raised? No, the miracle is God takes the woman and the man and makes one out of them somehow through, through a blood covenant. By the way, not a contract, a covenant, and a covenant is issued in blood. In this case, it's the blood of our Savior. So, yes, they're married, and your children are evident to that. So when your children are born, you say, there's got to be a God. There's got to be a God. I'm going to, you know, I didn't research this, but something that crossed my mind when I studied one time, it's like the woman has pain in childbirth. But, you know, when I was a kid, I had lots of cats and dogs, and a lot of them would get pregnant, you know. And, and I would watch them, like my cat, um, birth a baby kitten. But I never heard them scream or holler or breathe real fast or anything like that. I don't think that they have pain in childbirth. I even saw a video where a, an ox or something was walking across the road, and it had a baby right while it was walking. It wasn't screaming or hollering. I think man is the only one, the woman, that, that has pain in childbirth, childbirth because it's a consequence of the sin that the woman did by listening to the words of the, the serpent instead of God. I don't know if that's true. Somebody correct me if it is, but I think I'm right. I think I'm right. I've never, never seen an animal cry and scream and holler. I remember a lot of wives, husbands tell me, I'm going to punch you right in the mouth you know, for doing this to me. But then after the baby's born, they look at the baby and they go, oh, honey, how much I love you. Never saw an animal do that, ever. For, it is, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Righteousness is revealed in the gospel on the grounds of faith. Do you see that? The gospel is revealed, the righteousness, your righteousness is revealed in the gospel on the grounds of faith and nothing else. Not works, faith. Faith. And it's faith to faith. It is the absolute condition for salvation or righteousness. It is faith alone. Jesus plus zero equals eternal life. Not Jesus plus works. You will do works once you know the Savior of the world because you will love him and you will want to obey him and serve him to the best of your ability. You won't be able to call, you will sin, there's no doubt about it, but you will sin less and do more righteousness because of your faith in the one you love, the one who came and died, was buried, and rose the third day after because you fell in love with him, because the fire in your heart that we sang here tonight is there, and it's, and it's, it's fanned the flames, hopefully, here tonight by the song and by the, the message that God has given us here tonight. It's in Christ alone, in, in Christ and his resurrection. That's it. Righteousness is effective only to those who believe. You can't be righteous enough to go to heaven apart from faith in Jesus Christ or from believing in Jesus Christ. You cannot do it. It's impossible. The scriptures will speak loud to that, and I'm going to be sharing some of them in a little bit. Righteousness is effective only to those who believe. Because Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to believe that you're a Sunday school teacher. And light a candle. It's nice to light a candle. Instead of complaining, light a candle. Uh, light a candle. That's nice. 
I came to the altar last week here, was praying out here in, in the front row, and then and, and I, I was talking to God, and I got up and I walked away, and God says, you didn't pray. All you did was complain. And I said, oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. And that's what I was doing. I was complaining, not, not um, praying. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. John 14, Jesus himself said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Ephesians 2.89, by grace you're saved through faith. Through what? Faith. Not through lighting a candle, not through being a Sunday school teacher. By faith in Jesus Christ. Drive this home to the church that has lost its, its power because it fell away from this. Titus 3.5 says that Jesus saved us. It says he, the personal pronoun, but it says he saved us by, by grace through the washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. In other words, renewing speaks about being born again. John 8.24, Jesus is very bold in this chapter saying this. He says, unless you believe, you will die in your sins. Sins bring death. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You will die in your sins unless you believe. And God is not going to let you with sin over you, covering you, into the kingdom of heaven, just as you wouldn't drink a bottle of water with a drop of uh, blood or urine in it. You wouldn't drink it. God will not let that poison into his kingdom. So you have to be made righteousness. You have to be made righteous on the grounds of faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way to heaven, church. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Harry Krishna, not anything. Just Jesus Christ and him alone. Jesus plus zero equals eternal life. You are to live faith by faith. To live by faith. God saves you strictly by faith. And it says here in 17, from faith to faith. That means, you know what faith to faith means? I'm going to simplify it for you. Continued faith. That mean, it doesn't mean after you walk out of church on Thursday night or Wednesday night or Sunday morning, you know, that you continue to walk by faith. From faith to faith. To have continued faith. After you leave church, you're the same person you were in church. Not a different person when you walk out the door. And I tell you what, that is a common problem in a lot of churches. From faith to faith, continued faith. You know, all through the scriptures we see that it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I got a whole bunch of verses for you. Hebrews 10.38, Galatians 3.11, Romans 1.17, which we're at now, Ezekiel 18.9. God says this in Ezekiel 18.9, He is just and he shall surely live, if you're just. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, in other words, backslides, God says in Hebrews 10.38, my soul has no pleasure in you if you backslide. So when we do, and I've done it in my life, and I know you probably have too, because you're human. You know, God didn't have pleasure in me in those days, nor does he have pleasure in you in those days. He wants you to continue to walk in faith. That means giving up things that you would love to do in the flesh. Continued faith. See, Romans 1.17 again says, For righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That's what we're studying here tonight. Continued faith. Galatians 3.11, But no one is justified by the law, the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. No one is justified by that in the sight of God. For the just shall live by faith. It's all through the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. You live by faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. We've been studying in Matthew. We've been studying the book, uh, chapters 8 and chapter 9. And all these people that came to Jesus or Jesus came to them, they were saved by faith. 
They had faith. I just touched the hem of his garment. I shall be made whole, not only physically, but spiritually made whole. And even Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man, here, know this man, let's put it that way, know this man, man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. No other way. Not faith in Harry Krishna, not faith in some so-called Messiah out there, no faith in, and not faith in Buddha or Muhammad, any of those, no, by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one that said, I am the resurrection and the life. If a man believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That man's talking about the second death. You're not going to die the second death. You, might, you will die if short of the rapture in this, in this body, but your second death will never happen to you. The second death is the, 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 um, the fire of hell. That's the second death. So, yes, you will die in the flesh, but you will not die in the spirit. But I'm praying that God comes back and gets us out of here and raptures us out of here, and you can see Jesus in all of his glory in heaven, in Boynton Beach, Florida, or in China, Africa, or in China, or in Africa. You can see him over there. And it probably will not be by radio or TV. It will probably be God will just, who knows, unravel the earth? I don't know. He could do it. You know that, right? Our application then is, according to Romans 3.28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. <laughs> Jesus plus zero equals eternal life. We conclude that. Paul wrote that to the Roman church. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the law. You have to have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you say Jesus didn't do it all, then you're telling, calling Jesus a liar. You're saying, I have to do part, and that's pride. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. If you think you have to, you know, uh, do certain thing to get into heaven, that's, that's impossible. It's Jesus plus zero equals salvation. Let me read that again. Romans 3, 28, mark it down, highlight it in your Bible. Therefore, we conclude that a man is not justified, is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Faith is the finished work of the cross, to have faith in God, in Christ. This righteousness is being given to us, reveals God's love, by the way. This righteousness just reveals God's love because he demonstrated his love toward us that we were yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, and I mentioned it many times up here at the pulpit, and we cannot forget, there's three imputations in Scripture. Three of them. Number one, Adam's sin is imputed to all men. So even if you could obey the Ten Commandments or the 603 more that are in the Scriptures, even if you could obey them, it isn't, isn't good enough. You still have the sin of Adam and Eve, the sin of, that passed on from Adam and Eve. So Adam's sin was imputed to all men. All of us are sinners. There's none righteous, Paul tells the Roman church, not one. That's the scripture, and we get backed up with other scriptures like, your righteousness is as filthy rags before me, Isaiah 64, 6, I believe it is. Adam's sin is imputed to all men. You are a sinner. Number two imputation is man's sin is imputed to Christ if you believe. Your sin is imputed to Christ on the cross if you believe. And then the third imputation, if you believe in Jesus, Jesus' righteousness is imputed to you. And therefore, you're justified by faith. 
When a sinner is lost, when a lost sinner is in Christ, God sees you as, as Christ covered with Christ's precious blood. That's the way God sees you. I heard on the radio today that when God when people when when the lost sinner is saved, God smells the pleasant aroma of his son Jesus Christ in our life. The precious aroma of the Lord Jesus. And I gave you the my correlation about the, the sheep. And I can't go into that because we'll run out of time. About the mother sheep has a sheep, a ewe lamb that dies, and in other words, another ewe, uh, mother lamb dies in birth, in birth of a ewe lamb. Now the shepherd has a has a a uh, a lamb with a ewe lamb without a mother, and then he has a mother without a lamb. But the aroma of Christ has to be imputed to us because we believe, just like the shepherd took the little baby lamb that was was dead and skins it and put that wrapping, that, that covering, that, okay, that cloak of the little baby lamb that was the mother whose lamb died. He ties it on it, and then the mother comes over and smells it, and now that lamb that was not her own has the aroma of her, of her baby that, that died. And the same thing, see, we died. But when we accepted Christ, we died, and now we have the aroma of Christ. So when God sees us, he sees the blood. When he smells us, he smells the righteousness of his son Jesus. Not our righteousness, because our righteousness is filthy rag before God. Isaiah 64, 6, as I said. And because of that, we are absolutely accepted by God. Absolutely. This is the son of God. You cannot work for salvation. You cannot buy it. You cannot make a deposit on it. You cannot do anything but to accept God's righteousness by faith, which is in Jesus Christ. That's it. Only way. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, the way is narrow and the gate, the gate is narrow and the, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And few there are that find it. But the way is broad that leads to destruction. So, yeah. Yeah. It is narrow. But you know what? The gospel was supposed to be preached around the world. That is our commission as saints of the Most High God. We are to go, therefore, and make disciples. Not only are we supposed to make believers, but we have to train them to be disciples so that they can go out and train others and win them to Christ and, tr and train them. Here's the application. It's found in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of, the, of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. The Bible, the Word of God is very clear. Jesus is very clear. The Old Testament is very clear. The New Testament is very clear. We're saved by faith in Christ alone. Continued faith. Faith to faith. Continued faith. After you leave here tonight, after you turn off your computers at home, from faith to faith, continued faith. Not just because you're listening to a church service or not just because you're talking to your your friend who is a believer, but every day, faith to faith, continued faith. God saves us by His grace, and which, and His, this means there is no merit in us. Christ saves us by His, by grace, through faith, because there's no merit in us. In other words, Jesus paid it all in full. In full. All to him we owe. You know that hymn? Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be, they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Hey, it's all in Jesus Christ. Verse 18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Listen, 
the wrath of God is against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. So if you are not made righteous in Christ, the wrath of God's upon you. I don't want to lighten this message. The wrath of God is upon you because you didn't believe in the only begotten Son of God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God. Listen. Verses 18 through 20. Pro God, uh, Paul is proving the ungodliness of, a gentile, of the Gentile world and it's deserving of God's wrath. The Gentile world is deserving of God's wrath according to Romans 1, 18 through 20. And in Romans 2, which we didn't get there, in chapter 2, verse 1 to through two ver or three verse eight, here's what Paul proves to the Jews that are that are also ungodly. They they deserve the wrath of God, and also the Gentiles, according to Romans 1:18, you know, deserve the wrath of God. That means the world is made up of Jews and Gentiles, and a Gentile is anyone who don't believe in Jesus. Anyone, you could be African, or you can be, um, you know, Russian. You can be Italian. You can be Spanish. Listen, in other words, by verses 18 through 20 here in chapter 1, the Gentiles are guilty and the Jews are guilty. In other words, the whole wide world is guilty. For there's none righteous, no one, one no, not one. And the wages, the penalty, the payment for sin is death. According to Romans 3, 16, 3, 20, or 6, 23, I'm sorry. Against all ungodliness. Ungodliness means there's no reverence for God whatsoever. His wrath is against the Gentile world and the Jewish world. Just as I said, the whole world is guilty for before God, and you need a Savior. You can't pay the price. Jesus is that Savior. You know, that's why when I was a kid, and maybe even today sometimes I see it even at football games, somebody holding a sign up in the thing in the, in the audience that says, Jesus saves. I didn't know that when I was a kid. I remember seeing them all over my where my dad and I used to go hunting and fishing. There's signs on the nail to the trees, Jesus saves. I'm thinking like, what is that? I didn't know anything. I was raised in the in a big denomination, and it was in Latin, so I didn't understand a thing. I even took Latin in high school and couldn't learn a thing either. The teacher passed me with a D minus only because me and my buddy were class clowns, and we got on our good side. Otherwise, I didn't deserve to pass Latin nor French. Listen. You need a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. So all you got to do is receive Him now as your Savior, and you're saved. What's so hard about that? Here, verse 20, 19 and 20. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes and eternal power have been, have, and divine nature have been clearly seen. I mentioned it early as we read this verse. You know, look at the moon when you go outside tonight. It's hanging on nothing. You know what the earth is hanging on? Nothing. You know what the, the, the sun is hanging on? Nothing. Do you know that one of the stars in the belt of Orion is uh, Betelgeuse? And did you know that that star is predicted to be 450 miles, 50 million miles in diameter? You could put the sun, our sun, which is 186,000 feet uh, uh, miles in diameter, you could put that inside Betelgeuse by hollowing out and leaving a hundred million miles on each side. You could put our earth in its orbit and the in our sun in the middle of that and, and, and it could just flow the whole 
from the sun, our sun, to the earth could just rotate inside the center of the star Betelgeuse. That's how big it is. So don't say, the, you know, so like the Bible says, you are without excuse. Look at the birds, look at the, look at the animals, look at the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky. You can look at the trees, the mountains, the crystal clear waters, and you can know there is a God. That's all there is to it. You are without excuse. I go out every morning. I, I love taking my puppy out to the bathroom. You know why? Because not, I don't like to show in the middle of the night because there's raccoons and, and possums and stuff, and I'm always afraid that she's going to run into one of them. But during the day, I go out there, and I see the birds and the squirrels all over the place. We've got tons of squirrels just jumping all over from branch to branch and running along the top of the fence, and the puppy's chasing them. And I sit there and go, God, you're amazing. That rat that you gave sharp claws to and a bushy tail looks the same is totally different. And how about that zebra? A horse with stripes? God must have had a ball when he created. Actually, it was Jesus. He's the creator. Everything that was made through Jesus, says the scriptures. Colossians 1, Romans 1. Everything was made through Jesus. had a ball, man. Just I'm gonna, hey, this, this, this horse, I'm going to give him a long neck, and we're going to call him a giraffe. I'm going, wow. Come on, man. God is hilarious. God sits on his throne, and he, he's laughing. I, you know, he laughs. Everybody pictures Jesus not laughing. Jesus is a, is a laughing Savior. You know, he doesn't always just preach, you know, hellfire and damnation. When the disciples want to rain, call down from heaven fire upon Sodom and or not uh, on Samaria, he says, you don't know what you're asking for. He's not going to do that. This is God. You're without excuse, all of you over online. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're president of the United States or, or president of Uganda. I don't care. You need a Savior. You're without excuse. Look out your back window tonight, and you can find out. Hey, look at Job 26.12 says that God quieted the sea. I know, we just studied in, in Matthew chapter 8 that Jesus quieted the sea with a word. Oh, my goodness. You're without excuse. All there is to it. Psalm 96 or 62.11 says, Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. The power belongs to God. The power belongs to God. Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, the lame walked, the blind see, the mute spoke, the prisoners that were held in bondage by the devil were freed, the birds sing, the flowers, look at the flowers' beauty, the food, food was given to the people, seasons change. Isaiah 1.3 says this. I'm going to tell you, just in a, I'm, going to, I'm going to paraphrase it, and then I'll repeat the verse. Paraphrase is animals have a revelation that there is God. Animals know there's a God. Listen to Isaiah 1 3. The ox knows its owner, the donkey knows its master's manger, but my people, Israel, do not know me. My people also could mean my people, my creation, the people that I created do not know me, not just the Jews. But even the Gentiles, they don't know, know him. The people that God created say there is no God. I mean, your heart beats steadily every day. Your lungs breathe the air that God gives you. You know, the blood throws through your system so perfectly and meticulously. Your brain has... Billions of thoughts and stuff running through your brain every day. And you say that there is no God? An ox knows better than that. Even a donkey, what they, we call an ass in the Bible, like the King James calls it an ass. You know what? An ass knows its master's manger, but people don't know God? His invisible attributes are seen all over the place. His great power and honor are seen. You're without excuse. There's no way about it. So when you stand before the judgment's 
throne of God, the white judgment, and he, and he said, you say, I didn't know you existed. He's going to say, oh, yes, you did. Look at my creation that I made for you. You didn't see it? How about your body? I, I praise God just going to the bathroom. You know, if you didn't go to the bathroom, you'd die of poisoning? God created all that for you. Not only did he do it for you, he did it for the ants and the puppy dogs and kitty cats and birds and all that stuff. Amazing. His, his invisible, visible attributes and power have been clearly seen or without excuse. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 97, 6. The heavens declare His righteousness and the people His glory. You know, we're the glory of God. God's creation, people, is the glory of God. Acts 14, 17 says this. He did good. He gave us rain and food and fruitful seasons. Let's face it, church. Let's face it, people. You're without excuse. Someday you're going to bow either between, either at the judgment seat of Christ, where you will be rewarded for what good works you did, but you will save. You will suffer loss, but you will be saved. Or you will stand before the white throne judgment, where the white throne judgment will be for those who did not believe. And you will be punished accordingly for eternity. But God, God didn't create you for that. He created hell fire for the devil and his angels, not for human beings. Not for the ones that he created with his own hands by fashioning Adam out of mud and creating Eve out of Adam's rib. No, he loves you. That's why the most famous verse in the Bible is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. But that's not all. You've got to continue, and I'm going to end it here. John chapter 3, verse 16. I'll read it this time instead of quoting it. And I'm going to read to the 18th verse. And then the 36th verse, 3.16, For God so loved you, world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Belief means adhere to, trust in, rely on. Not just say, okay, I believe. Yeah, I believe. No, that's, that's nonsense. It's your head, not your heart talking. God's looking at your heart. The, 17th, the, the 18th verse says this, He who believes in him is not judged. So you will not be judged. To eternal judgment, you will be um, receive rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, he who believes in Him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you don't believe in the Son of God, you've already been judged, and you've been judged guilty. Guilty. Go to the 36th verse. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, the Son of God, that is. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You know, that's not good news. But John 3.16 is good news. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But if you don't believe, there's bad news in the Bible. This is the good news. God wants you to know the good news. And that's what a preacher, an evangelist, a missionary, a, a chaplain does, is he tells you the good news. But you have to have the consequences of not believing in the good news. Just like Eve had to be, had to be, received the consequences of her sin. And Adam had to receive the consequences of his sin because he Believe the woman instead of God. There's consequences. So if you say no to Jesus and don't believe in him right now, you've already been judged and you've been judged guilty. But if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Simple. 
Don't complicate it. It's simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Adhere to him. Stick to him like glue every day of your life. From faith to faith. Continued faith. So if any of you are out there and you need Jesus, just call on him with your whole heart. Don't use your head at all. Let your heart speak. And God will hear you. He will never not hear the prayer of repentance for salvation. He will always hear it. I don't care where you are, what you've been doing, he will hear it, and he will forgive. So receive him now as your Savior. Then send me an email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, so that we can rejoice in, you know, with the angels in heaven that you have received Christ as your Savior, passing from death into eternal life. And to God be the glory for it all. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you, and I thank you, Father, for the beautiful words you have for us. We capitalize and we think about the good, the good news, not the bad news, Lord, the good news that Jesus Christ saves us from all sin through our faith in him. The just shall live by faith in Receive the righteousness of you, Father, in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done. Thank you for crying out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I know every believer out there had not, had not known they, that they were born in sin until it was told them. And Lord, thank you for forgiving us because we did not know what we did. But now we do know. And we receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, our God and our Deliverer. And we thank you, Jesus, for saving us. And thank you, Father, for making this, giving a, making this plan to redeem mankind. We love you, Father, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we certainly love our Savior, Jesus, who saved us. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us in this world today to serve you with our whole heart. We praise you and thank you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, Father. Amen and amen. God bless you, everyone. Tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless. Love you all.